And here we go, another episode of The Dugout. This is going to be number seven or siete for our Spanish listeners. Uh, we finished covering all the, the divisions by team last week, and the regular season is now in full swing. It's been about, it's been several days. So today we're going to cover what's been going on. There's been some signings, some injuries, and then we're going to move closer into, you know, there's four teams left in the NCAA tournament, uh, talk a little baseball trivia, and maybe throw some lacrosse in there. Sounds good to me, you know, now that uh, we really can't cover our predictions, we just have to let things unfold now, we can only cover things as they come about, so where do you want to start today? Do you want to start with the uh, signing of Ronald Acuna Jr.? Yeah, let's do that. Alright, so for our listeners, another breaking signing actually on the day we record, we've gotten, we've gotten pretty lucky with this actually, a lot of guys signing on the, you know, the Tuesdays that we record. So today, the Atlanta Braves of the National League East signed outfielder Ronald Acuna Jr. to a eight-year and $100 million extension. Now, obviously, $100 million is a lot of money, but this is honestly a steal for what this guy is probably going to be in the next two or three years after development and how the market will shape out then. No, I agree. Just hearing about you know the recent players that have signed big contracts, like like an eight-year deal, they're making more than $100, $100 million after in that eight years. And like you said... Acuna is a great player, and you know the Braves probably got him for a lot less than he's worth. Yeah. Now, the one thing that's interesting about the deal is the deal does include a ten million dollar buyout on two options that are worth seventeen million dollars each. Um, so the new contract actually starts this year, and Acuna was making five hundred and sixty thousand dollars, but it doesn't five hundred sixty thousand. That's how much he was going to make this year. Holy! Before God. this extension. You know, he's young. He he signed when he was 16 years old yeah. to the Braves organization and has been with them since. Um, it's just, it's it's a great deal to get a cornerstone of this franchise signed until he's 30 years old. He'll be 30 years old when he's a free agent right now. He is 21 years old and won the Rookie of the Year last year. And they already gave him a, a 10-year extension. Right. So, I mean... This kind of reminds me of the Yasiel Puig deal with when the... When he was younger? Yeah, with the yeah. Dodgers. Like, he had that one breakout season, the Dodgers, like, we want him. Obviously, things didn't pan out that great for the Dodgers. He's, you know, Puig's gone, and he kind of fell off a little bit. Yeah. But we'll see what happens with Acuna. Yeah, so more news going past the Acuna extension. There was a trade. I don't know if you saw that. The Giants traded for Kevin Pillar. Oh, yeah, I saw that this morning. So, you know, what are they, five, four games into the season, and Kevin Pillar is being shipped off to San Francisco. Well, I mean, one thing we have to remember is, too, that you and I were also very high on the Giants maybe getting um, Bryce Harper or even, like, the bad Jacoby Ellsbury trade when we were talking, like, hypothetical trades back right, then. Right, yeah. Because they have no outfielders. None at all. So this is a trade that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and Pilar has been a guy who's, you know, a good supporting player but not going to be, you know, the main guy that No, you he's not going to do it himself, but he's certainly a guy that will contribute to that lineup and he's still young enough to be there for a while. Right. So we got that uh Bryce Harper returning to DC. Yep, Bryce Harper will play. Uh you know, he posted a really heartfelt uh heartfelt Instagram message today. I can actually let me see if I can pull it up here is, you know, Matt can give more on uh Bryce Harper returning to DC. But. Yeah, I saw that he had some sort of, you know, heartfelt DC was home, he considered it home, but at that point, why even mention that it was home, you know? Like you just left, the you wounds ju- are still yeah. fresh. Like exactly. It's if, literally if, the second series of the season after you left. Uh, what is that like? To me that's like 
that's like a dog. Like if a dog could, you know, choose what they wanted to do, and they're just like, you know what, your household isn't really cutting it for me anymore. Let me go to the neighbor's house, and then it's like that dog visits you all the time and like eats your food and still wants to be friends. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. So all right, this <laughs> is a this is a this is a really long post. I'm sorry, I was just distracted by this. Um, this is absolutely insane and. A lot of people, you know, in baseball, but especially in D.C., have to be heartbroken that Bryce Harper left. One of the two faces of baseball, probably behind Mike Trout, leaves, goes to a rival in your division, signs a 13-year deal. You know he's going to be there forever now and against you. And then this is what he posts. If you would have told me five years ago I'd be walking into Nationals Park as an opposing player, I would have told you that they were crazy. Five years later, I'm doing just that. I remember the first day I walked into Nats Park, my first base hit, my first home run, and of course my first standing ovation. National stands delivered my first ovation. The thing that I will miss most are the relationships I gained on the personal level with so many of the national staff and workers around the ballpark. Every day I walked in, I got a smile or a laugh with you. I especially want to thank the Lerner family and Mike Rizzo for the unwavering support that they showed me during my tenure in D.C. The city of D.C. was home. Philomena's, the Silver Diner, the Italian Store, the countless other places helped me make it feel like home. You national fans made me one of your own for the entire time I was part of the Nationals organization, and I am so blessed to have been able to play for a fan base that cared so much about our team each and every night. You will always hold a special place in my heart no matter where I look forward, uh, no matter where I go, and I look forward to continuing Harper's Heroes with the LLS and the DMV as well as making sure the legacy fields bearing my name are the best fields in your town. When I run onto the field tonight, I am sure to hear some boos, but I will always remember the cheers and the screams that are still with me right now as I start my next chapter. So for that, D.C., thank you. Yeah, that's that's really nice of him, but I, if I'm a D.C. fan, I don't care. Like, Why do you even write that? You feel bad because... You can tell he really did pour his heart and his soul into that message. Yeah. And, like, his publicist, if he has one, I'm sure he does. He's a big guy. Probably didn't write that. That sounded like something Bryce would say. But, yeah, as a DC fan, as a Nats fan, that's something I don't want right now. No. Like, I appreciate that he loved his time in DC, but to do it right now, no. Do you think they welcome him with open arms or do you think they boo him? Uh, I think it's going to be a mix. I think the people that are true baseball fans are just going to appreciate, like, the greatness that, like, he gave them um, in his time in D.C. But then you're going to have, like, the avid, like, Nationals fans or the average fan that's going to boo him because they think it was, like, a trading act. You say say avid Nationals fan. Where has an avid Nationals fan been? They're, They're the newest team in baseball. I mean, yeah, didn't they change from the Expos to the Nationals in, like, 06? Right. So, I mean, it's relatively a fresh team. I feel like there's no diehard Nationals fans. Well, that's the thing, too. If you are a diehard Nationals fan, you probably are because of Bryce Harper. Yeah. So, so there's definitely going to be some animosity because, you know, when when was he drafted? 09? I I can look. I think it was 10. 10? Yeah. So... If the team became became a, an actual team in like you know the mid two thousands, and then a guy like Bryce Harper comes along, that's the reason you cheer for the Nationals because, I mean, like I said, no one was born a Nationals fan pre, uh, two thousand. Yeah. 
So what do All you- right. So Bryce Harper was the first overall pick in the 2010 MLB draft. So there you go. And, and then when- he he made his MLB de- uh, MLB debut in. Hold on. It says he was 2012 Rookie of the Year, but that doesn't mean he didn't come up in 11. So let's see. Yeah, I'm looking up now when they became a team. The Nationals promoted. Okay, the Nationals promoted Harper to the major leagues on April 27th, 2012. So think about that. If Matt's looking up right now, I think the the Nationals officially became a team in 06. I think they were the uh, the Expos before. Yeah. So the Google search resulted in 1969. Oh wow! But so. there's no way. I'm reading it now too. You can't trust Wikipedia. See, this is why we looked this stuff up. Yeah, so 2005, I think. Okay. So in 2005, the Washington Nationals were officially... No. No? 2002. Okay. So the Nationals are the eighth major league franchise to be based in Washington, D.C., and the first since 71. So, I mean, I guess there's a fan base. Well, there's always going to be a fan base in that area because they had a former team. It's like Seattle uh, for the NBA because, you know, they used to have... You know, they used to have the team with uh, KD and the Supersonics. The current club was founded in 1969 as the Montreal Expo as part of the MLB expansion. The Expos were purchased by MLB in 2002, and the team was renamed the Nationals and moved to Washington, D.C. All right, so we were a little late, but not bad for only four years without looking that up. So we, they, you get the you get the point that we're bringing up here is that there can't be any like diehard Nationals fans that, you know, in recent years, at least, unless you were born in like the fifties. Like the thing is, if you are a diehard Nationals fan, it's probably because of your love for a guy like Bryce Harper yeah. or Strasburg, because they were the two guys. Remember, back to back years, they kind of put that team on the map. Right. And. What he did for five years for that organization is absolutely insane. But it's, I don't know, it's just, it's going to be different. Uh, when LeBron left Cleveland and went to Miami, I would get a post like that. Harper leaving and then going to a rival team after only five years, and now you know he's probably going to be a national again. You think I don't, so? I think it's too soon. You think he's going to be a national no, again? No, I don't. Oh, I, okay. said I, like, I don't think he'll be a national again. Yeah, like, I, no think it's, I think it's way too soon. For him to like reflect on it now, yeah, at least publicly, he would just say, you know, I'm focused on helping my team win. I had great memories there, but this post, I think, is a little premature. Yeah, I feel like baseball fans are a little more classy in a sense because you bring up LeBron leaving and remember his jersey was being burned and yeah. I feel like MLB fans when something like that happens and I can't think of a time other than Bryce Harper leaving, uh, like there wasn't that much of a clapback. No. Compared to LeBron leaving, or you know, I saw some posts about AB's jerseys being being burned when he left the Steelers, and I didn't see one video of a Bryce Harper no. jersey being burned. So yeah, I think the ML, I think MLB actual fans uh, take it, you know, they'll still take it to heart, but they're not going to act on it and not not I act think, like. I think I think they're the one fan base that understands that you don't have forever in the sport, and it's a business. Yeah. I think, like, the one time I did see a Bryce Harper jersey messed up, someone took duct tape, like, classic silver duct tape. Right. And put um, over, like, the nameplate where it says Harper, they put the duct tape and wrote Soto and then crossed out, like, the the three and the four and then wrote, I think, 19 for Juan Soto. And at yeah, that well, point, it looked like a trailer park jersey. It looked awful. 
and someone said, this person's just trying to be funny, but, like, why not just go buy the new jersey? Well, yeah, I'm sure they will buy the new jersey, but do you get what I'm saying, though? I feel like the MLB fan base just is, a, is on a completely different level in comparison to other sports, especially NBA and NFL. Like, you know, the fans are a little more understanding, as you said, and a little less haywire. Yeah, a little, like, less quick to, like, just jump completely off the wagon. Right, because MLB fans are like, okay... I bought this jersey for a hundred bucks. I'm not gonna burn it for an Insta- for an Instagram post to get a hundred views, you know. And listen, here's the thing: with any jersey burning too, you, you save it for three years. You have a throwback. Yeah, jersey's the jersey, man. You you wear it to like a party or something, and like a like a darty. I still I still have a Tim Tebow Jets jersey. Yeah, man. People people like the old time jerseys, and if you're gonna burn it, you're lost, I guess. But uh, there's a reason you bought it. It's because you like the player. Exactly. Let's move on here. I just want to talk a little bit more about the MLB before we move on. Like I said, we're going to do some trivia, too. My grandpa actually sent me a news clipping from our, our local paper with some pretty cool, um, you know, Major League Baseball trivia. Yeah, some very interesting facts we're going to yeah. highlight for you guys today. So, But before we move on to that, I just want to mention that the Red Sox look bad. They do. They're, I mean, they played five games, but they are one in four, and this is, you know— this is a team that finished first in the division last year with the Yankees closely behind. And the Yankees, it's 2-2, two and two, and like I keep saying, it's it's very early, but uh, you definitely don't want to find yourself in a rut this early on. No, and the Yankees, too, with all the injuries that are happening right now, it's tough because I think they have 10 guys on, well, now it's called the, what, the injured list, right? Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. not the disabled list anymore, but they have 10 guys already on the injured list. Not even a week into the start of the regular season. Right. And Andujar's hurt, right? Yeah. Miguel Andujar has a uh, small tear in his uh, right shoulder in his labrum, and he's going to be evaluated over the next two weeks, and there's a chance that he might need season-ending surgery. So yeah. a guy that was basically robbed of the AL Rookie of the Year last year, mm-hmm. now not even a week into the season, might be done. Yeah, it's sad to see, and uh, we'll, we'll get – more information on it as time progresses, but at that age, you miss a year. It's not like you're a proven MLB player. If you miss a whole year, you're definitely set back. Well, and the Yankees, too, with Andujar, remember they were going to trade him because they thought his like his glove and defense were a problem. Right. So now that he's hurt, who knows if he and it's his throwing shoulder, who knows if his already kind of wacky fielding right, comes back to even full strength of what it was. Yeah, but just think... Let's say that if that happened to Jeter seven years into his career and he had to take a year off, he'd still come back the next season and be the Yankees shortstop. Mm-hmm. But, you know, with a guy who's not that proven, and like you said, he was kind of robbed of AL Rookie of the Year, you also said that his glove's not that impressive and they were thinking about trading him anyways. So if he comes back and isn't looking – or if he ends up missing the whole year and then he comes back and they might have found his replacement, he might just fall off the, you know, the baseball hemisphere. I mean, at least for the Yankees, I'm sure some team would take a chance on him, but like his time with the Yankees might be limited because they have a lot of depth and they have a lot of guys. Yeah, and it, it sucks for a young guy like that, but it's just the, the it, cold it hard does. truth. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the uh, AL, AL East, we have the Rays sitting atop the division. I don't think we saw that coming. We said they were going to be good, like can compete for the playoffs, but yeah. not the top. We, we was all Yankees, Red Sox, Yankees, Red Sox. Right. I mean, like you said, it's early. There's a reason they play 162 games. But 
it's it's certainly not the start that I think we anticipated. No, and that's, you know, the Red Sox being down early, that's really all I wanted to cover in the American League. The rest of the American League looks pretty vanilla, you know, right now. A lot of two-win teams, three-win teams, but the Mariners are 6-1. and one. I didn't uh, even know that. The Mariners are 6 and one. Well, remember, they did have that, that uh, start in Japan. Right, yeah, but, I mean, even even still. Yeah. And the Angels are 1-4, and four, so... Moving on to the National League, I definitely want to talk a lot, a little bit about the Brewers and how Christian Yelich is, uh, I think, inked for MVP at this point. Again. Yeah, Again. He's, he's an incredible player, man. And, and just think back, he used to play for the Marlins, and the Marlins gave up on a guy like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Marlins gave up on back-to-back MVPs, if you think about it. They gave up on, Well, they didn't really give up on Giancarlo, but they traded him to the Yankees. Yeah. And then Yelich to the Brewers— so think about that. You you had two guys in your outfield that you could have kept under contract, make cornerstones of the organization, gone, and now they're winning MVP awards for other other teams. Yeah, Yelich, he's got like four home runs, right? Yeah, he hit a home run in four consecutive games to start the season. Yeah, I, I mean it's he he's a guy that's not talked about enough on this show. We've mentioned Bryce Harper and Machado and. Mike Trout. Mike Trout, all these big-name guys. Jacob yeah. DeGrom. Like. Right, but we no one ever mentions this guy in, in um, Milwaukee, ever. No, and honestly, he's the reason that Milwaukee's doing very well right now. Yeah, and if I'm, if, when a free agency rolls around, if I'm like a, a veteran guy and I see this you know, Milwaukee team with a younger guy like Christian, I'm thinking, wow, this, this team is kind of primed for something in yeah, the future. Yeah, Christian Yelich, Lorenzo Cain, too. Yeah. They have some talent. They do have some talent. Uh, but other than that, the NL is, is kind of just a big clumped up, you know, two, three win team. Uh, it's hard to take well. shape in the first week, you know. Yeah. I'm so, sure as time goes on here, the next two or three episodes of this, we'll have more to say. But yeah, right I mean, now, it's really just everyone's, no one's pulling away. It's early. Yeah. It's other, other than, you know, the, the one win teams and then the six win, five win teams. It's. Yeah. Uh, you know, but as Bunger said, as time progresses, we will definitely have more to talk about in terms of Major League Baseball. Uh, before we move on to some other sports, so I definitely want to talk about this trivia stuff right here. So if you want, do you want to talk about yours first? Yours first? Yeah, sure. Let me see what one of them. Yeah, so there's like 25 trivia uh, facts on this newspaper article. Like I said, my grandpa mailed to me. Bunger wants to talk about two, and then I'll talk about two. Yeah, we, we both found. chose to highlight two of these that we found like really fascinating. So yeah, so go ahead with yours. My first one is: What two players hit over four hundred in a season without winning the batting title? And if you know this, I'll be amazed. Yeah. Uh, without you know anyone looking it up, but here's another thing too: How like incredible? Just think about that for someone to hit over four hundred in MLB season. Two people. Yeah. Two people have done it, and they didn't win the batting title. So that means someone else hit over 400 and beat them out both times. Do you remember uh, Pablo Sanchez? Pablo Sanchez in like backyard baseball, yeah. Was one, is, one of, is one of them him? <laughs> no. No? All right, so one is Joe Jackson, who did it in 1911. Michael's dad? <laughs> no, not Michael's dad, no. <laughs> this other one you might be able to figure out. He was a... Uh, Really famous player. Give me some clues. Yeah. Um, all right. His first name has two letters in it. Two letters. Yeah. So, like, if you think of, like, really famous, like, MLB, like, first Hall of Famers, Does there's the, actually a movie made about him, too. Do you eat corn off of his last name? 
Yes. All right, Ty Cobb. Yeah, in 1922, Ty Cobb. Ty Cobb. So both Joe Jackson and Ty Cobb hit over 400 in a season and then lost the batting title. Does it title. say on there who won? No, it doesn't. Which well, I, I can I could look into that um, while you do your question if you yeah, want. Yeah, if you but, want to do that. I think yeah. that's stupid. That's but do you have one more? Yeah, you want me to do the other one yeah, now, too? Yeah, do the other one, yeah. All right. So my other one is, let's see here. What four players hit home runs before they were 20 and then after they were 40? So first thing with this question is, that's insane. For you to hit a home run in the MLB when you're 19 years old and then after you're 40, that is a very long and, like, durable playing career. Yeah. But there are four players that have done it. And, like, when you think of these guys, when you hear these guys' names, it'll make sense. So we have Ty Cobb again. Okay. Rusty Staub, who I've never heard of. Never heard of. Gary Sheffield. Okay. And then Alex Rodriguez. Yeah, that's some pretty good company. Yeah, and like some true power hitters there. Yeah. But that's I crazy would, just to I have always, that. Uh, sorry, where were you? No, no, go ahead, go ahead. No, I always love Sheffield's, you know, that little wiggle he did with his bat. Oh, yeah, where he just goes absolutely, like, yeah. haywire with the bat. I never understood that because I would try I would try to mimic that, like, in the backyard while playing wiffle ball or something. I would do that, too. And he, he always said it was, like, for momentum, like, yeah. to just keep him on it balance. It makes sense, but for me, it was just like... I could never do it. And if I did, like, I'd hit it right back up the middle and get no power. Yeah. All right, here. So let's let me give this to you. Okay. You look up your uh, two questions here, and then I'll look up. I'll try to see who won the batting title in those two years. Okay, so this is from the Buffalo News. I do want to give them a little credit here. Um, so I found this very interesting. It says, what World Series winner had the worst regular season record? And if you think about it, you know, teams that win the World Series are like 90-plus win teams. And in 2006, a nearly 500 team won in the St. Louis Cardinals. They were 83-78. and 78. And with a record like that, you know, a lot of teams like that don't even make the playoffs, let alone win a World Series. Do you remember that team at all? All right. Well, I do remember the team, but I did see the answer, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna guess it. Um, no, I already said it. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Are you talking? You're talking about the 2006 Cardinals, right? Yeah, yeah. Was it? Was it like Scott Rowland? Yeah, I think it was uh, David Eckstein at okay. uh, short. You had Jim Edmonds, Scott Rowland. Yeah. Uh, Pujols, like when he was breaking out. Right. Um, I think they had. Who was that pitcher that was a stud on that team? I don't know. Was Mark McGuire still on the team? No, I don't think he was. In 2006? I'll look it up. But they Oh! Um, who is that? Matt Carpenter? No, that's someone that plays now. Uh, I know Chris, who you're talking Chris about. Carpenter. I think Chris his name Carpenter? is Chris Carpenter. Yeah. yeah, 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 definitely. He was filthy. They had... Like, I just remember playing, like, MVP baseball, like, 04 and 05. Yeah. And the Cardinals were always one of the best teams. So that doesn't surprise me. But it surprised me that they are one of the like teams with the worst regular season records. Yeah, they were five the teams, five wins, or uh, I guess five less wins, or five more losses, or f- you know what I'm saying. I can't even talk right now. But they were five. The difference was five wins, and they would have been yeah. a 500 team. Hey, can you, let me let me see this for yeah. one second, real quick. It was 1911, right? Nah, I don't know. Okay, yeah. All right, I got it. 1911 and 1922. Yeah. All right, so before you go into your second question here, the guy that actually won the batting title in 1911 where uh, Joe Jackson didn't win it, Joe Jackson hit 408 and didn't win it, and then someone by the name of Ty Cobb hit 419 and won the batting title. Okay. 
So that's kind of funny how Ty Cobb also hit over 400, you know, years later. Yeah, and that's then didn't 11 win years, yeah. Yeah. So here, I'll let you go into your second question here. Yeah, so this one just kind of talks about the history of the sport a little bit. Uh, it says, what team won three games in a World Series by 10 or more runs? And the answer, you know the answer, right? I do, yes. So it's the Yankees in the year 1960, but they ended up losing the World Series to the Pirates. Think about that. They won three of seven games. Yeah, in a best of seven series. They won three games by ten or more runs and lost the series. If that doesn't tell you about baseball in, you know, the 40s, 50s, 60s, and just the different level of play and talent, how things can be swayed by that many runs and mm-hmm. you, you lose a seven-game series, I don't know. thought it was pretty cool. Um, I don't think there's ever been a stat like that, and I don't think there ever will be again because if you're – in a World Series, losing by ten runs, I mean, what is it? It's you're basically like a minor league team, three games in three games especially. So that's the baseball trivia we have for you guys today, and that's pretty much all we have for baseball, right? Unless you have. Yeah, I'm just gonna uh, give the other uh, guy that hit over 400 and then yeah. beat Ty Cobb. Never even heard of this guy, so he hit 420, and his name is George Sisler. He was a first baseman. For who? I, it doesn't. I'm trying to see right here. It says. Doesn't even give me his stats. Uh, Maybe it's made up. It says SLB was his team. What is it like? For 12 Saint years. Louis Blues? The St. Louis Browns. Oh, okay. The St. Louis Browns. Close. Yeah. So I'm going to guess that they became the Cardinals later because yeah. the logo looks the exact same. Oh, really? Yeah. And then Ty Cobb lost the batting title, hitting 401 that year. So he just barely hit over 400. But that's still insane because now you'll have guys that hit. You know, three ten in the yeah, batting. Yeah, I was title. gonna say, is there anybody who hits four hundred? No, I There's think no way. the highest average that I remember like recently was uh, Miguel Cabrera when he won the triple crown. I think he hit like three thirty four, and like Mike Trout was hitting like three thirty two, and like almost stole the triple crown from him that way. Yeah, but like I said about just like the nineteen sixties team, it just back in the day things were. It seems like pitching wasn't as good, and you know if you were a good hitter, you were. Four hundred is insane. Like think about that. You're up. You're up to bat ten times, and you're getting a hit. Not not even on base. Yeah. You're getting a hit four out of ten times. Yeah. It's... And I get it. People didn't have the pitches they do now, and well, that's you know, what I mean. It, throw a hundred and two and all this it's, stuff. It talks like, about like the progression of sports in general because if you see an old NBA clip of like the thirties and forties and fifties, it's just. You know, it looks like a pickup game here yeah, in Edinburgh. Yeah, short white guys dribbling, real uh, low center of gravity, and just like, you know, easy jump shots. And now guys in the NBA would dominate teams back then, and I think it goes for every sport. Mm-hmm. And it makes you wonder. The game adapts. Yeah, it makes you wonder. Like, has have the pro sports games kind of plateaued, or will they go even further and with more talent? I think they'll go even further. Yeah, but um, you I mean, I think about that with stuff all the time like technology. Just think about where it was 20 <laughs> years ago and you feel like the stuff we have now, how could it get better in cars and Yeah. yeah it's just some some interesting to think about because based off history, things have gotten better over the years and years and years, but now it seems like what could How get can better? you beat this? How could you beat yeah. the athletes we have? How could you get When you have guys that are being raised to be athletes. Yeah, I, I just don't. I don't know. It's man. Like they're not even worried about school. It's like, no, this is your purpose, like yeah. to be an so athlete. So you think they'll? You think they'll still get better? I think so, but it's because you're gonna have the game change. Yeah. In any aspect, like 
I don't know, just to go off of it real quick, Jimmer Fredette was a great college player. Right. Basically got booted out of the NBA. He's back. I know, and that's what yeah. I want to highlight on. Like, you know, four years ago, he was basically, like, booted out of the NBA, went to China, blew up, scored, like, 35 points a game, <laughs> yeah. comes back, and now he, he hasn't gotten a lot of opportunities for the Suns yet. But now, like, when the coaches put him in the last two games, yeah, he's averaging, like, 17 points a game. So a player that his stats were good even before he left, just because the game's changed, he's now more valuable. Yeah, and you said the game's changed, and it's changed, you know, in a positive manner for a player like him. Yeah. Not a, not a big guy, not that athletic, but, you know, based he's off stats. Shooter. Exactly, based off stats, if you take more threes and make more threes, chances are you're going to win. Take a team like the Houston Rockets, who have missed uh, NBA record 600-plus threes, and the season still has, like, four games left, yet they're, like, top three in the West, and they started off really rough, but if you can shoot threes and make threes, mathematically, threes are worth more than two. <laughs> yep. So, you know, ten years ago when it was NBA teams were running just, like, four round one, where they had, you know, four guys in the perimeter, and then you're one tall, big guy, and you just feed it down to him and get layups or dunks. The NBA game's progressing where... You guys, you have guys who are like nearly seven feet shooting the ball and shooting the ball well. Well, I mean, Brooke Lopez, yeah, uh, has really re- redefined his game for the Bucks this year. Right, I think he has over a hundred made three pointers. It's crazy to think, man, because the like, guy's a seven foot two center. Yeah, Chris Stapps is huge. Yeah, a- and not only that, the point guards are getting bigger. You you can't really, other than other than Steph Curry, who's also the best shooter of, of NBA history. But there's there's point guards now who are like six five to six eight, and it's just the game is really progressing, and I just don't know how it can get any better in any sport, not even just basketball. Right. But it, it it's going to be crazy to watch, and I'm excited yeah. to see that like unfold. Yeah. Uh, so I want to move on to NCAA basketball, but before we go on to that, just a quick ad read. Uh, we only do two for the show, so this will be the first one. The first one's for a uh, local breakfast place in Edinburgh called Flip Cafe. The programming on WFSC is underwritten by Flip Breakfast and Lunch Cafe, featuring unique food choices in a relaxed, funky atmosphere. They're open seven days a week from 6.30 a.m. to 3 p.m. at 103 Meadville Street in downtown Edinburgh. Information is on Facebook or at 814-734-3400. Flip Cafe. Flip Cafe. I feel like we always say that. Well, I mean, we only are, like, given the same, like, what, four ad reads? So. Yeah, there's nothing much else to say about it, but yeah, it's it's kind of funny how we've gotten into this. Uh, what is what is the word? Routine. Yeah, routine is the word I was looking it's for. It's the same thing. It's always John's Quick Fill, you know, the yep. hotel or flip. Yeah. All Sorry right. guys, we tried it. We tried to variety. We can only work with what they give us here. Yeah, you know, it's we don't Edinburgh. I'll tell you what though, I've never been in another podcast studio. So this is the best podcast studio I've ever been in. And, like, even looking it up and stuff, like what's available at other universities, yeah. I would never know that Edinburgh had this. Oh, this is this has been... Especially in, like, like the building we're in. Like, Compton yeah. Hall is, like, one of the oldest and, like, right. probably worst buildings on campus. But just the fact that, like, this and all this equipment's in here yeah. blows my mind. Pretty cool, man. I wish we didn't realize it when we were seniors. I know, right? I would have done this sooner. Yeah, we could have been on episode, like, 100 by now. <laughs> Anyways, so Final Four is inked. Um, I just want to say... We that, both called an upset. Yeah, so if we just want to move on to forget the MLB sports podcast, if if you want, just want to go to NCAA basketball, I mean, we could do it because he said Texas Tech, I said Auburn. 
What do you know? I know. That's crazy, right? I was like, Texas Tech can beat Zaga, and you said, I think Auburn's going to win. And I, and then well, I, I was skeptical on it. I was like, you know, that they're losing one of their top players. And you're like, no, I, I just see it. No, I, I, I never said that they were going to win it all, so don't. No, 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 not win it all, yeah. but win that game. Well, yeah, because when you read the 16 teams remaining, we kind of decided our teams that can make some noise. And, man, Auburn, being a powerhouse like Kentucky – and like you said, losing their best player. Moving forward, man, they they got Virginia next game. I, I it looks good. Another one seed too. Another one seed, and I kind of like Virginia's story because they already beat North Carolina too. Yeah, we can't forget that. Right. So they beat North Carolina, pulled off the upset of one seed, then Kentucky, then Kentucky, and now they face Virginia. Who Kentucky wasn't a one seed, but with Kentucky their, was a two seed. With yeah. their t- with their talent, they were you know yeah. still up there. But uh, yeah, I mean, I like Virginia. I like that they were. Pretty much the most embarrassing team in last year's tournament, and came back to, you know, another a Final Four appearance. But how cool would it be if we said Auburn and Texas Tech and they play each other in the finals? It would be cool. It would certainly be something to talk about. Yeah, man, I'm excited. But the other, you know, Auburn plays Virginia, and your boys Texas Tech plays Michigan State, who upset Duke this past weekend. Did you watch the game? I did watch the game. Yeah. What'd you think? I think. Uh, Honestly, the thing I want to highlight in that game, too, is just the, like, maturity of R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish. Yeah. After the game, they were, I think Cam Reddish uh, was breaking down, like, in the middle of an interview, right. was crying. And then R.J. Barrett looks over, puts his hand around his, like, shoulders, consoles him, is like, it's all right. Like, I know it stinks, but, like, we did everything we could. Yeah. And now Zion, too. Everyone's talking about him being the surefire number one pick. There's already reports of him saying, I came to Duke to win a championship. Yeah. And that this loss, like, really irked him. Right. And he doesn't want his legacy at Duke to end like this. So a lot of people are saying he's going to forego the NBA draft and return for a sophomore season at Duke. It'd be cool to see, but we've already seen it once, you know? He has nothing left to prove in college basketball, in my mind. And like you said, Cam Reddish and R.J. Bear were... They were pretty emotional after the game, and yeah, but I'm sure later that night they were like, "Oh damn, NBA, NBA!" I, now I get <laughs> first to round picks. Right, now I, get I get paid. To, now I get to be paid for the sport I love to play. So at the time, it sucked. Yeah, whatever. But I think if Zion comes back, like he has nothing else to prove in college basketball. And the thing with Zion coming back too, as much as everyone wants to say Zion was Duke, yeah. He, there's four other guys in that roster, in that starting five, that are first round draft picks. Yeah. It wasn't just him. He's a great player. He's amazing, but you have to credit the guys around him too. And if they all leave, then what if Zion's not the same when he comes back? It's just too much to lose. There, yeah, there's way especially too much an injury to lose. too. Like if his shoe blows out again, yeah. he, what do you do? I don't know. But can we talk about the coaches in this game? Like Coach K and Tom Izzo are two of the most, you know. Highly respected college basketball coaches ever. And I think Tom Izzo is a better coach than Coach K. He That's had a bold w- take. He had way less talent. You know, his best player in Cassius Winston, he, he's not a top five pick. And Coach K had, you know, probably three top five picks. How yeah, you, easily two, maybe three. How do you? And then I don't know if you saw the last play, but how is there nobody guarding the Michigan State basket? Like, they inbounded it. R.J. Barrett reached out for the ball, missed it, and Cassius Winston was able to run out the clock. That's a terrible way to end a game. I think that's bad coaching. 
Um, you shouldn't. He was Coach K. Basically had all his guys pressing Michigan State players, and no one thought that they could run. So yeah. I don't know, but I I think Tom Izzo that was just incredible for uh, you know to beat guys like that and move on to the Final Four. And there, there's a reason when you think of like the best coaches in college basketball, Tom Izzo always comes up. Yeah, man. I feel like besides Coach K, it's always Tom Izzo or Jimbo. Uh, Jim Boheim. Yeah, and Coach Calipari. And yeah. Even with Auburn, Bruce Pearl, who used to coach Tennessee, my dad was telling me that Bruce Pearl is the most winningest coach at four different universities. That's crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, there's some great coaches in this Final Four. I honestly couldn't tell you who the coach of Texas Tech is. I couldn't I, tell I you I know either. Virginia's Tony Bennett, and like we said, Bruce Pearl for Auburn, and Tom Izzo for Michigan State. Yeah. But uh, who do you think, what's your prediction? Do you think it's going to be Auburn-Texas Tech? I want Texas Tech. Like, I've been pulling for them uh, mostly this whole tournament because my favorite team, Butler, didn't make the tourney. They were just average this year. Yeah, is that a Butler hoodie you're wearing right now? It is. It I is. noticed that, yeah. Um, I would say I think it's going to be Michigan State against Auburn. Yeah. I, I, think, I think that you're, like, team that can make some noise, like you kind of said. Auburn will beat Virginia. Yeah. But I think Michigan State's just too powerful and too well coached with That's, Izzo. Right, man. Like then, you know, to go against Texas Tech. Yeah, I would like to see Texas Tech and Auburn, but I agree. I think it's gonna be Auburn, Michigan State, and you know, either last week or two weeks ago when we were talking about the tournament, I did say it wasn't the best tournament and there weren't the greatest upsets, but you look at this final four and it's not your usual teams. I mean, yes, Michigan State and Virginia have, have been pretty good teams in the past several several years, but Auburn, Texas Tech, like, you usually see teams like Duke and UNC and Kentucky. and Like, this is either the NCAA as, like, a, a whole is either very excited about this because they're getting, you know, different fan bases involved and, like, it's just a whole different thing they're not used to right now, or they're freaking out because it's different. It's not the same powerhouses. Yeah. But like, I think it's good for the sport. It shows, like, hey, it's called March Madness for a reason. Anything can happen. Right. It's not like not to bash, you know, women's basketball, but women's basketball Final Four has been the same for the past 70 years, I, I think. I, so. I can't tell you the last time that Notre Dame, Stanford, or UConn wasn't in the championship. I, th- I don't think Stanford's in it this year. I think it was last night. I think it was Notre Dame and Stanford. Let me check because ESPN just posted the Final Four today. I think it's oh okay. So no, that was just the well, game. The then. funny thing is, it's two one seeds and two two seeds. So yeah, number one Baylor plays number two Oregon, and number one Notre Dame plays number two UConn. So like two of the teams that I said, just without even right. knowing it's, anything it's, about it's it, it's always are in the UConn, Final Four. Notre Dame, Baylor, like you said, Stanford usually pretty good. Mm-hmm. I think Notre Dame played Stanford last night, so I think that was like yeah. All right, so just an update here: the Texas Tech. Um, Men's head coach for basketball is Chris Beard. He's in his third season as the head coach and the uh, 13th season overall with Texas Tech basketball program, but is his third as the head coach. Okay. And in his three years in Texas Tech, he's kind of put them on the map. Yeah, man. They have another lottery pick, too, in that Jared Culver kid. Yeah. He's good. A lot of guys have done uh, this NCAA tournament, honestly. I feel like a lot of guys who are question marks, like late first-round picks, have done a lot to improve their stock, especially that kid from Purdue. Carson Edwards. Yeah. 
Incredible. I think he scored 44 points in the loss against Virginia. And then he dropped 42 in another game, right? Uh, he's scoring 40 points in a college basketball game. Pretty insane to think about. Mm-hmm. And you they know. still lost. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, he, he's going to make some he's noise. Like, he's like the uh, college Devin Booker, I guess. Yeah, just like the only guy on the team. Can't catch a break. Right. Well, the only thing that I think that can hold Auburn back from beating Virginia is that Virginia has played some of the best defense in college basketball, and if they're able to slow down the athleticism of Auburn and Kyle Guy shoots the lights out like he usually does and the offense is working in unison, then it's going to be Virginia. But it's going to be exciting to see, and uh, I'm I'm pushing for Auburn. So one of the games, are they, is it this Saturday coming up? I know yeah, have... this Saturday, the 6th. All right, so Saturday, we'll record next Tuesday. We'll cover this again for you guys, you know, see how right our predictions were, how wrong, and we'll break down the uh, the championship game as well. The championship will be on Monday. Oh, so, you know, we we actually won't even be able to break down the prediction. We'll just be able to break well, down the actual that game. That would happen. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I like that better, actually. That's going to be... Monday the eighth. All right, These, so right now, who's your chant? Like, if you had right uh, now, Michigan State. That's what I said too. Yeah, Michigan State for sure. I mean, they're they're due. I think. I like. They have a guy. Oh man, he's white guy. Wears a shooting sleeve. Hold on, I'll pull up their roster. You tell me his it's name. Like Matt. Matt Mix something. I feel like. Or Mike Mix something. Well, Matt McLoon's in Georgetown. That's the only thing I think of when no, you say. No, it's uh. You'll you'll see. Michigan State. Michi- yeah, it's basketball roster. Let's see here. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I think he's a freshman. Mike, Matt, something with an M. Big tall white guy. Matt McQuaid. Matt McQuaid. Yeah, he's he's a oh, difference maker. You know what's crazy? Guess where Matt McQuaid went to school before uh, before Michigan State? Texas Tech. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's crazy. There's a picture of him wearing a Texas Tech jersey, like on, as like his roster picture. Damn. Can I say that? We already said it twice. I hope so. I said it twice? I don't know. I think I said it and you said it, so. Oh. Sorry for all our young listeners out there. Uh, <laughs> no. We, we we should be good. I think we've said yeah, it before. Yeah, I feel so. like it's 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 a place in the Bible. or No, they say it in the Bible. Yeah. Like, damn you to hell or something. I don't know. Okay, yep. Michigan. Okay. So, he wasn't on Texas Tech. Um, He was on Team Texas which was the all-state team for the state of Texas, and they were sponsored by Texas Tech University, provided the uniforms. Okay. So their uniforms just looked the same. Okay. So he's always been in Michigan State. But think about that. You're going against the school, like a school from your home state Yeah. to go to the championship. Like that's, right. and he definitely, He's definitely going to have some family yeah. in the stands. And he definitely got an offer from Texas Tech. Oh, I would say. So. For sure. He probably got an, He was a four-star recruit, it says, and a four-star uh they say four-star shooter, but, you know, four-star recruit. He probably had offers from every school in the state of Texas. Yeah, and, you know, he chose to play for Tom Izzo. Who wouldn't? All right, enough of college basketball. As we wrap up here, uh, I do want to talk a little bit about lacrosse, which we haven't talked about anything about, to my knowledge, in, in the past six episodes. Lacrosse is big on Long Island, where you're from, so you know a little bit about lacrosse. And, I do. You know, you mentioned that you went to high school with one of the best lacrosse players in the world, Rob Pinnell. Yeah, I think, um, so Pinnell, I think he graduated. Or he in, went to your school. Yeah, I think he graduated in uh, 11, so I think he graduated the year I started. But Rob Pinnell, both Rob and James Pinnell, who are really well known in the lacrosse world, 
graduated from the high school that I attended, Smithtown High School West. Yeah. And everything I've heard about these two, um, from my older cousins that played with them, uh, friends that have played against them at rival schools and everything, say these two are the nicest and like most down to earth guys. Yeah. And you know, people don't make a lot of money in lacrosse. No, but and Rob Pinnell though is really the one guy that has like put lacrosse really on the map in terms of like endorsement deals and everything. And I think it's so cool that he really is just like from the same area as myself. Well, Rabel's got to be the guy that put lacrosse on the map. And like you said, they don't make that much money. And Paul Rabel has, you know, there, there's two leagues. There's an indoor league called the NLL, National Lacrosse League, and then the, the outdoor league called the MLL, Major Lacrosse League. Paul Rabel played for the MLL for the New York Lizards alongside, as you mentioned, Rob Pinnell. But here's the thing. They don't make that much money. The NLL and the MLL seasons overlapped along with the college season. So Paul Rabel, and he, you know, he gets some, some executives and he gets some sponsorships, starts his own league called, called the Premier Lacrosse League. And, you know, they're really, he's really showing that he wants players to just play lacrosse and they, don't, they won't need a side job. So their whole thing is there are six teams and, you know, they're, they're not really based out of anywhere. They're just a team. And then they're going to travel across the country kind of as like a traveling circus. Or, or like if anybody knows the Harlem Globetrotters, they just go from city to city and put on events. So yeah. that's what they're going to do. There's not going to be, you know, a game in New York and a game in Boston and a game in Ohio all happening at the same time. All six of these teams are going to be traveling to different locations like Boston, all the teams are going to be in Boston, then New York, then Chicago, then Baltimore. So it's kind of, it reminds me of like the big three kind of like yeah. how like Ice Cube started the big three. Exactly. And like they all go to like these different cities. Now he wants to do that with lacrosse. And yeah. I think it's really cool. And like it's, it's awesome, man. And it tells you, Rabel's definitely the, the best known lacrosse player in recent years. I've been a fan of him for years and, you know, I chose number 99 to play when I was a kid because he was 99 with the Cannons. But, it shows the level of respect these younger guys have for Paul to, you know, they probably grew up dreaming of playing in the MLL, and then this new league comes about. It's not proven, but they're like, okay, I'm going to forego my dream of playing Major League Lacrosse and join this this upstart, you know, league that kind of came out of nowhere. Because I idolize this guy. And exactly. Like, I grew up and respect exactly. him. And they're getting it televised, you know, before you watch games like online or some streams, but... It's it's being televised on is that the NBC logo? Yeah. That's NBC and they have great sponsors and you know, I can't tell you the last time I saw a lacro- like a professional league lacrosse game on TV that wasn't ESPN3. Yeah. So like to have NBC cuz I'm sure there'll be some games where it's like just regular NBC and I'm sure there'll be some years where it's like NBC Sports. Yeah. To have that endorsement for an upstart league already? Yeah. That's insane. It tells a lot it tells a lot about the type of guy he is that people put, you know, all their eggs in one basket, join this league that's never played a single game. And I think it's going to succeed. And I think it's going to, you know, lacrosse has already been a, a really fast growing sport, but this is just going to put it in the spotlight even more. People are going to be flipping through. It's going to skyrocket. Yeah. It's, people gonna, are, it's only going to do good things for the sport. Exactly. People are going to be flipping through the, you know, their TV channels on a day and see lacrosse. Like what's, I've heard of lacrosse, but I've never seen it played. And, you know, they might have a kid and have them play lacrosse, and it's going to go on and on and on. So 
I love it, man. I'm excited to see where it goes, and I'm definitely going to try to catch a game maybe somewhere in New York, wherever. I think they go to New York City or something, but. Yeah, it's really cool. It'll be it'll be interesting to see, and especially because a lot of these leagues are, like, popping up now and everything. Like, you have uh, Vince McMahon wanting to bring back the XX, uh, the XFL. You have the AAF, yeah. uh, you know, the football league and everything. You have – now you have this lacrosse league, the big three. It seems like these guys and these investors are trying to do things to make their, you know, the sports they love grow. And some are being, some are really successful, and some aren't right now. Oh, another thing about the PLL, one of the most prominent lacrosse brands, STX, uh, partnered with the PLL. So, I mean, they they jump from a a league that's been around for years and years in the MLL, and now they're going the PLL way. Uh, another cool thing is the way they pick the teams is like, they pretty much broke it up by talent, and you know they put a top-tier guy on one team, and then, you know, further down the line, they just added random guys, and the teams are loaded, man. It's going to be really cool to see. Uh, but Rob Pinnell did not join. No, he did not. There are a couple of guys from, you know, just the whole MLL that really just chose to stay, and it surprises me. I don't get why. No. I um, really I don't understand why you wouldn't. One thing I want to do, actually, maybe I'll, I'll be able to talk to him after this episode and uh, see what his think, thought of thinking was. One of my friends from high school, uh, Ryan Keenan, played on the Ohio Machine last year. Uh, they just actually folded, supposedly. It could have been an April Fool's joke. But supposedly the MLL is trying to cut teams down from 9 to 6. Yeah. And the Ohio Machine were one of the three teams that got axed. So now that he's not part of the machine anymore, his contract's technically over. Yeah. I wonder if he'll jump into this league or if he'll try and like sign somewhere else in the MLL. So the way I can think about it is... I brought the NBA up kind of a lot this episode, but if a guy like LeBron James makes his own league, and obviously nothing's going to happen to the NBA because you know they have sponsorships and money's already there in the sport, but if LeBron starts his own league and brings all the premier players to that league, yep. but the NBA sticks around, would you rather watch LeBron James and Paul George and Russell Westbrook and you know Giannis in, in the new league, or would you rather watch <laughs> Jeremy Lin and, like, just Quincy like, Pondexter. Just, like, end. some, like, average veterans. Like, that's, guys that are right. good, but, like, they're not going to draw, like, that's the that's, whole that's the conclusion I've come to is, like, why would anyone stick with watching the MLL if they can watch all the best talent in the PLL on TV? I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens once the league, you know, they actually, like, start going at the same time. Yeah. And they go, like, head-to-head rating-wise and everything. Oh, I think it's... PLL is going to work out very well. I'm excited, man. It's 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 really great for the sport, and I'm I'm happy Paul Paul Rabel is kind of the guy to headline it all because he can definitely get everybody together, and he's a great social media presence. And I don't know, we'll see where it goes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you want to end the show, or do you want to do the second right, ad read yeah, yeah. real quick? Yeah. So our second and final ad read of this show. Uh, support for WFSC is provided in part by John's Wildwood Pizzeria. Open every day at 105 Erie Street in downtown Edinburgh. For eat-in, deliver your takeout. John's menu includes pizza, hoagies, calzones, wings, salads, and more. Information is at 814-734-7355 or on the web at johnswildwoodpizza.com. Okay, so that was our last ad read of the day. Um, we're coming to a close here. Great episode, man. I love talking to different sports with you. Yeah, it's going to be... 
it's going to be really interesting the next couple of weeks, like because we really have more range now. Yeah. Where we can talk about actually what's happening and what we want to talk about, and I love that. Right. So we are going to end with our questions as we usually do. Do you want to go first or I go first? You go first. I'm going to base first. my question for you off of how like how off the wall yours is. Mine's, you know, mine's always off the wall, man. So Bunger, <coughs> if you were to have a kid tomorrow. Oh God. Your girlfriend's due date is tomorrow. Uh, and you don't know the gender of the kid. Okay. You have to pick a name right now to name the kid. That could be, like, gender fluid. So you don't know if it's a boy or a girl, but you oh. have to pick a name right now. I don't know. All right. See, my first thought goes to Bailey, but I have Bailey. a cousin named Bailey. Okay. So I can't do boy that. Boy or girl? He's a boy. He's a boy. Yeah, but I can't do that because that's family. It'd be, like, the same thing. Right. Um. So just... Put me on the spot here. Well, yeah, well, that's the whole thing. I don't, I don't know, man. Uh, I don't really know that many like gender neutral names. I don't like think of that many here. Maybe like Cameron. That could work. Yeah, I'd probably Alex. Go, I'd probably go Cameron because I don't know any, really know that many Camerons. Okay. So like, I don't have any like bad affiliations with it. Yeah. Like, I don't really no one in my family is named Cameron. So like, there it'd be just them. Like when you hear Cameron in my family, yeah, it would, like you would know who it would be. How many, okay, so there's Cameron, Alex, Bailey. Can you name any more that could go both ways? Dude, I couldn't even name one. You had to name the other two. Yeah, that's true. Well, oh, well, I hope you don't, I hope you're not having a kid tomorrow. But no. If you are, congrats. I don't know. <laughs> I'm definitely not. Um, what do you got for me? All right, so my question for you is, I have two, but okay. one, one's a lot easier. Okay. And I feel like I know what you would do All right. Um, based on what we were just talking about. Okay. If you could be the star of the MLL. Or just an average player, like, in the, the new league, the PLL. Which one do you play in? Average guy in the PLL because, like I said, the talent pool is huge. So if you're an average player in the in the PLL, you're still going to be making your money. You're still going to be playing the sport you like. And I really think the MLL is going to fold. You do? Uh, I think it's just going to come to a complete end. It's uh, it's been it's it's been around for so many years and they really haven't made that many strides to to like improve it to yeah I mean the, or the market whole, it more the whole idea for this new league is just to get the players to make more money for playing a pro sport yeah so all right so my like different question for you today would be if you could buy any franchise yeah. any sports team in one of the four major sports basketball baseball uh basketball baseball Football. Hockey. Yeah. And football. Any of like those those teams. Who do you buy? So they don't have to be your favorite team. I mean they yeah, can I'm be. Just, I'm trying to think like what a, what an interesting place to live with an interesting team would be. Well I mean think about it. You're the owner. You don't have to necessarily live there. But yeah. you just have to be like you just have to wanna let's say your goal is to build a winner. That's your goal. So you want me to pick a team that's like pretty pretty bad? I mean it's up to you. It's whatever you want to do. Like for me, like if I was given this question, I would probably pick the Jets just because they're my favorite team. Like, yeah, they're not, they're not good, they're not great. They're in New York. I think that's a big market, and I, like building a winner there would be something special. Spin zone for you here. I think I'm going to start my own franchise in Washington. Bring back like the Supersonics. That'd be cool. Yeah, I like that. I like how you took that question. Yeah, I think put your own spin on it. Yeah, I think I would do that. Just kind of. Yeah, I think I'd bring the Seattle Supersonics back. That'd be really cool. Live out there, yeah. That's my answer. I, I, answer. I like it. Hell yeah. All right, guys, so for any fans of the Seattle Supersonics, if you're looking for investors, call up Matt. You know he's could, interested Could now. be you. 
could be you. And uh, make your pitch. Make your Shark Tank pitch. <laughs> That's our show, guys. Uh, it's been a fun one today, Bunger, man. Like I said, awesome to talk multiple sports. Yep, excited for next week. You know, yeah. Next week we'll break down the uh, March Madness uh, Final Four and Championship game. Right. And then we'll talk about whatever pops up. All right, guys, thank you for listening. Thank you. Have a good week, guys.